Tonight, God's Word comes to us from the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 30. We're going to read just a few verses of this chapter. We're going to begin at verse 24 and then read through verse 28. Proverbs 30, beginning at verse 24. What we hear now is God's word. Four things on earth are small, but they are exceedingly wise. The ants are a people not strong, yet they provide their food in the summer. The rock badgers are a people not mighty, yet they make their homes in the cliffs. The locusts have no king, yet all of them march in rank. The lizard you can take in your hands, yet it is in king's palaces. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. Well, I'm sure even as I read that text tonight, you can tell that when we turn to the Proverbs, Uh, we are turning to a particular type of literature in the Bible. Uh, The prophets are not like historical narrative. Historical narrative often gives us the facts of what happened in the past. Uh, The Proverbs are not like epistles, letters that are written. They often give us a doctrinal explanation and exhortation to live in a particular way. In in some ways, the Proverbs are similar to the prophets that we just finished studying. You recall how many times the prophets used very picturesque language to describe what God was doing, even more so in the Proverbs. Proverbs are wisdom literature. As such, they are less dogmatic, and they use many more pictures to make their point. Proverbs describe the way things tend to go. That's how I'd put it. Proverbs describe the way things tend to go. Not necessarily cause and effect relationships, But just, this is how things tend to work out. This is how things tend to go. Proverbs, many times, like our Proverbs tonight, look at creation, and from creation, we learn a spiritual truth. As such, they are often broader in application than other parts of Scripture. They describe the way things tend to go. If you turn back just a couple pages to Proverbs 26, we have a wonderful example there, kids, of of the way things tend to go. Proverbs 26, verse 1. Like snow in the summer or rain in harvest, so honor is not fitting for a fool. Well, kids, you know, we don't have snow in the summertime. We get hot in the summertime. We don't get snow in the summertime. That's not the way things tend to go. We don't want rain in the harvest time. 
again, Mary back in Sioux Center, many of the f- farmers getting their corn in. There was some rain earlier, but they were happy to get their corn in. You don't want rain at harvest. That's not how you want things to go. And in the same way, to give honor to a fool just isn't fitting. That's not how things are supposed to go. If you look a little farther down in that chapter, chapter 26, uh, verse 14, as a door turns on its hinges, so does a sluggard on his bed. Kids, you could go home tonight and you could maybe go to your bedroom and you could look at that door and you could swing that door back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and that door's not going to go anywhere. It's going to just stay swinging on the hinges. They say that's what it's like for the sluggard. He stays in bed, doesn't get anything done. That's just the way things tend to go. One of my favorite Proverbs, Proverbs 26, verse 17. Whoever meddles in a quarrel not his own is like one who takes a passing dog by the ears. Can you imagine that, kids? Taking a dog by the ears. That's dangerous. You don't want to grab a dog by the ears. So it is to get involved in a quarrel. That's not your own. The Proverbs talk about the way things tend to go. They look at creation and they give us spiritual truth. Now that doesn't surprise us. There's other evidence for that in Scripture. Think about, kids, how did the wise men know about Jesus' birth? They looked at creation. They said, we have seen his star and we have come to worship. Jesus' birth was revealed to them through creation, through what they could observe. The Proverbs are given to teach us wisdom. I said they're wisdom literature. That's how the Proverbs begin. Uh, Proverbs chapter 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. They teach us wisdom. In some ways, Proverbs are like, are like really good children's sermons. They're easy to hold on to. They're picturesque. We, we can see it in our mind. And kids, you're good at noticing things. You're good at noticing things in creation, in nature. You know, us, your folks, we can go to the beach and just sit there and yeah, we watch the waves come in, that's nice, but you can find every single rock, every single shell, every single thing on the beach, and you see it all. You have a great appreciation for everything God has created. That's what, that's what Proverbs help us do. They help us observe creation, many of them written by Solomon. When we think about Solomon, one of the first things we think about is the wisest man in the world. Proverbs are wisdom literature, many of them by Solomon, the wisest man in the world. He is described that way to us back in 1 Kings chapter 4. And God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding beyond measure and breadth of mind like the sand on the seashore 
so that Solomon's, Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the people of the east and all the wisdom of Egypt, for he was wiser than all other men, and his fame was in all the surrounding nations. He spoke 3,000 proverbs, and his songs were 1,005. He spoke of trees from the cedar that is in Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of the wall. He spoke also of beasts and of birds and of reptiles and of fish and people of all nations came to hear the wisdom of Solomon and from all the kings of the earth who had heard of his wisdom. Proverbs teach wisdom. Solomon, a good student of creation, he learned the way things tend to go. So tonight we look at Proverbs from Proverbs chapter 30. These Proverbs from 24 to 28. There are four things on earth that are small, but they are exceedingly wise. Ants, badgers, locusts, and lizards. We're going to look at these four small creatures, yet exceedingly wise. We'll look at nature to learn a spiritual lesson that God wants to instruct us uh, through his word and through his creation. First of all, ants. Ants are a people not strong, yet they provide their food in the summer. Well, first we have a bit of a translational issue we have to deal with. Uh, our text says ants provide their food in the summer. That is not the, the best translation. Better, they prepare their food in the summer. Ants are a people not strong, yet they prepare their food in the summer. Kids, ants are not strong. If an, ants, if an ant wants to eat something, he can't go out and kill a bear or kill a deer. Yeah, maybe he can nip on his foot a little bit, but he can't knock down a bear or knock down a deer. There are people not strong. They need to get their food when it is available. And when it's available, they get all that they can for when they need it. Ants are a people not strong, yet they provide their food in the summer. They get their food when it's available to them, which is why we say ants come on picnics. We go on a picnic, we take a lunch along, we put our sandwiches out, we put our fruit out, and before you know it, the ants have found us. They're not strong, but they know when they find food, they're going to get it and get all that they need for later. Ants, a people not strong, yet they provide their food in the summer. As Christians, we have need not only for physical food. We have need of spiritual food. We need to be strengthened continually. Do we have the wisdom of an ant that when the food is available, when the food is prepared, we come and we get all that we can. 
Lord's Day after Lord's Day, we have the Word of God opened to us, both on Sunday morning and on Sunday evening, these wonderful opportunities to feed upon the truth of God's Word, to be spiritually fed. Yet so easy it is for us to say, it's just not that important. We will miss the opportunity if something else comes up, if there's something else more interesting to do than to come to hear the Word of God. Do we have the wisdom of an ant to know that when the food is available, we should come and take advantage of all of it that we can throughout the week? We have the opportunity to, to feed upon the Word of God in our own homes. And it's a wonderful thing to live in a place where we can have Bibles on our shelves and easy access to God's Word. But if the Bible stays on the shelf, it doesn't do us any good. We have to open that Word and feed on that Word while we have the opportunity. The Bible must be more than just something that that holds up the bookshelf. The Bible must be that which we take and read and feed on day after day. We have need of being spiritually strengthened. Do we have the wisdom of the ant? A people not strong, yet they prepare their food in the summer. When the food's available, they take it. The second animal we look at, the rock badgers, are a people not mighty, yet they make their homes in the cliffs. And once again, we have a bit of an issue. What is the animal being talked about here, the rock badger? We often think of badgers as those things that are very fierce. Badgers have teeth, they're fierce. I've been told that pound for pound, uh, certain badgers are the strongest animals, most vicious animals in the world. The honey badger, pound for pound, the most vicious animal. That's not the badger being talked about here. They're described as rock badgers. They're more like, like a gopher, like a rabbit, like a squirrel, something not mighty. Uh, I like to think of it, I like to think of these, these animals kind of like a meerkat, you know, like from the Lion King, Timon. Now, I'm not endorsing the Lion King, I'm not endorsing the theology of the Lion King. I just like Timon because he sings and dances. He's a cute little character. A meerkat, this, this, this kind of cute little thing. Not mighty. They're easy prey for the birds who would come down and swoop down and pick them up and carry them away. These badgers, not mighty, they can't protect themselves when they are out in the open. And yet, they make their homes in the cliffs. They live in the rocks. That's why they're called rock badgers. They live in the rocks. They know where to find refuge from their predators. They know where to find safety. So many times in our spiritual life, we are so easily, we so easily fall prey to fear, to anxiety, to depression, 
toward an undue concern about the future. And we are robbed of the joy of life. Do we have the wisdom of the badger to know where to find our refuge from such things? Of course, the Psalms use that language. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in time of trouble. That we flee to Him as the one who will give us protection from, from the fear, from the anxiety, from the depression. We think of a psalm like Psalm 91, where the psalmist says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, for he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions under his wings. You will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of night or the arrow that flies by day or the pestilence that stalks in darkness or the destruction that wastes at noonday. We make the Most High our refuge, protecting us of these things that would rob us of the joy of life. From Psalm 92, the righteous flourish like a palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord and flourish in the courts of our God. Finding God as that refuge, as that strength, when the difficulties, when the trials of life come against us. And notice, notice what these badgers do. Our text doesn't say when they are being uh, attacked, these badgers run to the cliffs and then leave again. They make their homes in the cliffs. They don't just flee there and then, and then go out and live how they want again. But they make their home, their dwelling place, in this place of shelter, this place of refuge. I think too often we see God as a kind of this cosmic life preserver. When the waves of life get to be too difficult for us, we, we grab onto the life preserver and hold on. But, but when the water's calm, we let the preserver go again and go off and do our own thing. No, we are to dwell in the safety that God has provided. Do we have the wisdom of the rock badger to dwell in the shelter of the Most High? Verse 27, the locusts have no king, yet all of them march in rank. The locusts have no king. Now, kids, you know some animals do have a king. Some animals do have a leader. Pack animals. Think of a wolf. A wolf pack has a leader of the pack. This is the chief wolf. Think about, about bees. Bees have a queen bee that the other bees serve. Some animals have a leader. 
Not so with the locusts. The locusts have no visible king. There is no one head locust in charge. No visible king. And yet, they march together in rank. They work in unison with each other. We talked about this when we talked about one of the prophets and the visions of locusts coming. How, how in the Midwest the locusts uh, would come and devour the plants and, and the crops. And when we were uh, little, or we, or when our kids were little, we would read the Little House in the Prairie books to them of Laura Ingalls Wilder. And I recall in one of those stories, she talks about how the locust came and devoured the crop that Pa had, had planted. And when they finished, they all turned and marched off in rank. The locusts have no visible leader, yet they march in rank. What is the spiritual lesson we learn from this natural picture? The church of God has no visible leader. Kids, I am not the head of this church. Oh, would that it were so. No, I am not the head of this church. Uh, the elders are not the head of this church. The head of the church is Jesus Christ. But he has gone back into heaven. We don't see him anymore. Now, he continues his ministry through the office bearers of the church, but he is the head. And we don't see him here on earth. Do we have the wisdom of the locust? in spite of having no visible leader to still work in unity as a church. Can you imagine if the church united and worked in unity with itself and descended upon the world the way locusts descend upon a crop? and spread the glories of the gospel of Jesus Christ mightily and powerfully and devoured up the works of the devil. The church working in unity, in concert with itself to destroy the devil's work. We sing about that. We say, like a mighty army moves the church of God. We are not divided. All one body we And yet far too often, far too often, we spend time warring with each other than warring against the ways of the world. Do we have the wisdom of the locust? They have no visible leader, yet they work together. They march in rank. And then we have our last animal. The lizard you can take in your hands, yet it is in king's palaces. In the Proverbs, oftentimes, when a list of things are given, it's the last one in the list that really 
wants to bring the point home. It's the last one in the list that doesn't quite necessarily fit the pattern of those that have gone before. There are four things on earth that are small yet exceedingly wise. The fourth of those, the, the lizard, you can take in your hands. Now we might expect it to say, the lizard you can take in your hands, yet you can still find it in people's houses. We might expect it to say that, but it doesn't say that. It goes beyond that. A lizard you can take in your hand. You can catch it, kids. Yet it is in king's palaces. Lizards can be taken in the hand. They can be caught. And certainly, you would think, in the palace of the king, you would not find any lizards. The king would have all kinds of servants, and some of these servants would be uh, making food for him. They're the food guys. Uh, some of these servants would take care of his armor. They're the armor guys. And he's got to have at least one that keeps the lizards out. He's the lizard guy. You wouldn't expect to find lizards in the palace of a king they'd be thrown out. Lizards, you can take them in your hand. They're easily caught, yet they are in king's palaces. We are, as a people, so easily caught in sin. We are so easily drawn away into various kinds of temptations. We are so easily caught up in the ways of the world, so easily caught in the ways of sin, and you would expect that someone so easily caught would be thrown out, would be allowed no entrance, and yet we, though easily caught in sin, are found in the palace of a king. God, in his mercy, in his grace, in spite of the fact we are easily drawn away, he brings us into his palace. He brings us into his house. God, the king of all creation, welcomes us as members of his family to enjoy life, not simply in the slums, but to enjoy life in the palace. Jesus Christ came to secure our place with God. And he continues to call out today to, to put our faith and trust in him because we know how easily caught we are. We know how easily we're caught up in the ways of sin. No, he calls us to put our faith and trust in him and know the forgiveness of sins. And not just, not just allowed to, to coexist, to live in the, in the lower class housing, but because of God's love and mercy and grace. He doesn't throw us out. We dwell in the king's palace. Do we have the wisdom of the lizard to recognize what God has done for us? so easily caught, so easily taken, so, so obviously should be thrown out and yet brought in to live and to dwell with the king now and forever.
Four things on earth are small, but they are exceedingly wise. The ants are a people not strong, yet they prepare their food in the summer. Do we have the wisdom of the ant to take every advantage of the spiritual food God gives to us? Rock badgers are a people not mighty, yet they make their homes in the cliffs. Do we have the wisdom of the badger to find our refuge in times of difficulty, fear, depression, anxiety, to find our refuge in God alone? The locusts have no king, yet all of them march in ranks. Do we have the wisdom of the locust that although the church has no visible head, yet we work together in unity as the body of Christ. The lizard you can take in your hands, yet it is in king's palaces. Do we have the wisdom of the lizard to recognize the gift of God's grace, what he has done for us and continues to do for us, allowing us to live in his palace now and forever. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, we thank you for your word, for all of your word. We thank you for the historical narratives that teach us of your way with your people in the past, we thank you for the epistles that teach us doctrine and exhort us to live in a particular way. And we thank you for the wisdom literature. We thank you that in creation you reveal yourself. And you've had these things written down for us, these natural truths that we might learn spiritual lessons. Lord God, we praise you for the grace you have shown us in Christ Jesus. We praise you and thank you that you have not cast us out in spite of our sin, but you've taken us to live with you. We praise you, O God, for the great and wonderful God that you are. Hear our prayer, for Jesus' sake, amen. We turn to number 253, in the Trinity Psalter hymnal, number 253, God of glory, power, mercy, all creation praises thee. We, thy creatures, would adore thee now and through eternity. Saved to magnify thy goodness, grant us strength to do thy will. With our acts as with our voices, thy commandments to fulfill. We're going to sing verses 1 and 3 and 4. Verses 1, 3, and 4 of 253. Let's stand together as we sing.
Receive the parting blessing of our God, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.